Return to Shibamata with the Toho guys. Torasan is up to his usual antics. This time he falls for a financially strapped geisha and meets a rude old man who is not what he seems. It's episode 39, Torasan Sunrise and Sunset. Welcome to Toho Yaro, the Japanese Film Club podcast. I'm your host this episode, Joey Weiser, and with me are my usual co-hosts, Alex Kazanas. Hey, Alex. Hey, Joey. And Scott Dryman. Hey, Scott. Hey, Joey. Hey, so uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of the Torasan series, and so I wanted to talk about uh, one of my personal favorites from 1976. This is the 17th Torasan film, Torasan's Sunrise and Sunset. Um, and uh, as as uh, we keep kind of hitting these Torasan movies um, every so many episodes, um, I'd say that for information on like the director and the main cast, you can go back to our original Torasan episode and, and kind of get information about that. But I did want to mention that the director Yoji Yamada is still working today, and in fact, um, this year is going to see a new Torasan film called Welcome Home Torasan, which is the 50th film, as long as we're counting a special edition of the 25th film as the 49th film. <laughs> Yeah, so you can do that math. <laughs> so, so, what's the deal with it? Like, I saw a trailer, and it seems to be about Torasan's nephew. Mm-hmm, he's grown up. Yeah, Mitsuo. Yeah, Mitsuo. So Mitsuo's grown up, and from what I can tell, he's an author and runs into Izumi, who's uh, a love interest of his from the kind of last few uh, episodes of the Torasan movies, and um, it's about. I don't know what it's exactly it's about, but it seems like it has a lot of kind of reflections on uh, his relationship with his uncle. And so we're going to just kind of get some clips from uh, the other movies. I don't know if they had promised anything in the way of like never foreseen footage or anything like that. But um, yeah, I guess we should mention that Kiyoshi Atsumi, who plays Torasan, is is deceased, uh, which is uh, supposedly the only reason why they stopped making Torasan movies, which is crazy. Um, but, um, after 40, 48 of them, um, and, uh, so yeah, so you can listen back to our original Torasan episode for information about him and Chieko Baisho that plays Sakura. Um, but there are a few actors that I did want to highlight. Uh, Masami Shimojo plays Tora's uncle in this, uh, in this film. Yeah. Uh, different guy. Yeah. I wanted to, yeah, kind of get, uh, your... I, I was curious to hear your feelings on on him since this is probably your first time seeing him. Um, what did you think, Alex? Uh, he's fine. Um, you mm-hmm. know he he plays his role. I he, you know he's he doesn't look as old as as the uh, previous uncle or uh, mm-hmm. you know I I preferred him I guess but uh, he does a fine job. You know I wasn't offended by his acting or anything. <laughs> yeah, he, sure. he does what he he does what he's supposed to. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say within just like one film. This is actually the third uh, actor to play the uncle. We've uh, skipped over the, the the original uncle was played by Shin Morikawa, who played him in the first eight movies. 
And then um, in movies 9 through 13, an actor named Tatsuo Matsumura played him. And he he's my least favorite of the bunch. And he, he uh, comes back later in the Torasan series as like other characters. And I always <laughs> think that he does a much better job in those roles than he was as the uncle. Um, so, Shimojo. Well, yeah. Uh, so Shimojo, does he now, does he play Torasan's uncle from now forward or how many? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wondered, I wonder if this final, was a, uh, <laughs> if this was a Bobby, Bobby Draper from Mad Men situation where there's like <laughs> a different one every season. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 from films 14 through 48 uh uh shimojo plays the uncle and i i personally think he has a kind of more gentle quality than the other uh than morikawa who i think morikawa is great because he does a lot of like great like mugging for the camera and and these sort of exaggerated uh reactions to tora's antics or whatever but um i do think that the that shimojo kind of has a softer gives a sort of softer dynamic for the whole family um in some ways um but i don't know did, did you have any thoughts about him scott uh, i do agree that uh he, he does seem softer and the script maybe reflects that a little where it's when torsan is getting in scraps with the people around him because he gets cranky it's usually with uh uh with the the manager and not with his uncle like in the earlier movies i've seen mm-hmm. yeah he does this sort of like he has this sort of like uh exhausted you know uh, expressions of disapproval rather than a sort of like oh i'm gonna get you tora you know <laughs> kind of ways <laughs> that that morikawa kind of uh did um and then unique to this film are a couple of actors uh kiwako taichi uh plays botan the geisha um, she's someone who's, uh, I'm not super familiar with. I've seen a Zatoichi movie from 1972 that she's in. Um, and she's in the horror film Kuroneko, um, from 1968, which I believe are both on Criterion. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, check those out if you get a chance. Unfortunately, she died in a car accident in 1992. Um, it looked like she hadn't acted in a while, um, leading up to that, but that's, that's sad to hear. Um, and Jukichi Uno plays uh, Ike Noichi Seikan, the, the artist. Um, and he'd been acting uh, since the 40s. So he had a quite a career even before this movie was filmed. Um, I just kind of flipping through him, didn't recognize too much of his filmography besides uh, Onibaba, which is also a Criterion film. Um, and I thought it was interesting. His son, uh, Akira Tarao is a musician, but also has acted and he's in Kurosawa's dreams and Ron, uh, which I think is interesting. Oh, cool. Uh, uh I did, uh, have one other question about the cast. Um, mm-hmm. is this the, uh, when does, uh, Ginkgo first show up as like a sidekick for Tora? Oh, he's actually is in a very small role in the first movie. So he's been around since then. And I think that the only other movie we've covered is the eighth film. And if I recall correctly from researching that, I think that was like he had been like in a car accident or something. And he had that's the only film that he's not in. So like you guys haven't really seen him much as far as what we've covered in this episode. Okay. uh, uh, Or in this podcast. But yeah, Yeah, it was just weird seeing him hang out in the periphery and be like, I'm supposed to know who this is, but I'm not <laughs> certain. Um, yeah. He's just a, um, he starts out, um, kind of as Torah's lackey, but, and then he gets taken in at the temple and he's the assistant to the, to the priest. 
Um, and so a lot of times in these movies, he's just hanging around the temple and stuff, but he's always kind of like goofing on Torah for, you know, being a loser or whatever. <laughs> when he himself is just like a guy who works at this temple or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's important to note too. Um, I don't remember the name of that actor off the top of my head, but yeah, he's really great. Um, uh, he's always, Gajiro Sato. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. Great. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's really fun. Uh, great actor, hair. I think. yeah, he's Even got though, a really yeah, good look. Yeah. Big poofy hair. It just gets poofier and poofier and he gets a mustache. He like grows this mustache and stuff. He's in the new movie, um, in the, the 50th film that's coming oh, out wow. this year. Like mm-hmm. live action Yajirobi. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so I've seen this film a couple of times. Um, I'm currently in the uh, kind of towards the end of rewatching all of the Torasan films to celebrate this anniversary. Um, and even though I watched this a few months ago, it was a real pleasure uh, for me personally to return to it um, as I'm almost done with the series. And, and I don't know, the, 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 the movies from the 90s uh, aren't my favorites. And so it's kind of nice to return to this period that is often kind of regarded as the sort of peak uh, of the Torreson series, um, some of the high points. Um, and I know neither of you have seen this one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't gotten this far in my in my uh, chronological watch. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, we're going to, uh, if you, you missed our Message in Space episode, uh, what are you doing? You should listen to that episode, but... Uh, we're we're kind of playing around with the format a little bit, and uh, we're going to be a bit more brief with the synopsis, and then we're going to kind of focus on uh, talking points and talking about the discussion stuff. So um, briefly going over the plot of the film, um, it's uh, it starts with Tora taking in a drunk old man that he and his family assumes is a bum, and the old man treats them very rudely, ordering them around like workers, and eventually we learned that this is a misunderstanding uh, and that he thinks that Tora had brought him to an inn. Um, and as an apology, he doodles a picture of some onions, which uh, Tora is able to sell for a high sum because he is actually a master artist, uh, Ikenoichi Seikan. And uh, later Tora runs into Seikan while visiting his hometown, uh, which brings uh, some sort of like fish out of water antics as Tora ends up in these higher society company and municipal functions. <clears throat> and there he meets Botan, uh, a geisha, and they immediately hit it off. And, uh, and as he and some of Seikan's handlers end up spending a lot of time together, um, Botan ends up visiting Tora and his family in Tokyo uh, while uh, she's on the hunt for this man who had swindled her out of 2 million yen. She's uh, not able to make back the money, and Tora uh, goes to Seikon to request that he paints a picture to sell to make up Botan's debts. Uh, Seikon refuses, telling Tora that art isn't something that he can simply make to sell, and they have a falling out. Botan returns to her hometown, and Tora is dejected, having failed her. Uh, however, after some time passes, Tora visits Botan on his travels, and we discover that Seikon had sent her an original painting. Um, she's left into the dark as far as Tora's involvement, uh, as it was supposedly a thank you gift uh, for her company during the visit. Uh, she cherishes it, and despite being in debt, says that she would not never sell it for any amount of money. And that's 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 a sort of brief <laughs> overview of what, what the movie uh, is. Um so, Alex, what did you think of that, this one? 
Man, I liked it. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty different from the first two that we've done. Uh, and I think it's a little bit of a departure from uh, the other Torasan movies that I've seen as well. Uh, just because, you know, it normally follows the the formula of Torasan meets a Madonna and then, you know, they kind of hit it off. But, uh, you know, he either um, is like, no, I can't get married. You know, I'm I must, you know, live my life. I'm so tragic. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she has, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone else in her life. Um, and it's and uh, the, the addition of uh, uh, Ikenuchi, um really, really puts a different spin on this movie, too, because a lot of this movie is not about Torasan and the Madonna. It's about um, Torasan and uh, Ikenuichi. So mm-hmm. um, and I, I really thought that was cool. Um, he sort of stumbles on, uh, you know, he stumbles onto his um, his press tour, I guess. Or, um, yeah, I think the city is trying to, like, woo him into, like, doing work, like a work of art for the city. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that because it's his hometown. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that the tourism board, um, well, they're, they got paid for what they're doing. So because Ikenuchi can't make, you know, the, you know, Oh, uh, the sightseeing and stuff like that. They just take Taurus on and, uh, (laughs) and then they, I, I love how they end up hitting it off. It reminds me of, um, it reminds me of a, a Takeshi Kitano film. Where mm-hmm. it's it's like these three people who have never really met before, but you see them like hanging out <clears throat> over the course of like the next day and a half. And uh, the scene in particular where the I guess the head of tourism guy, the the he's sort of a wet blanket at first and they laugh at him for singing and stuff. But then he comes out uh, the second time and he does his geisha routine like yeah. that. That looks like it's like out of a beat Takeshi movie. Yeah, totally. Like it, I don't know that, that, uh, there's a chunk of this movie that, that feels very different. Um, it's like that whole middle section. Yeah. Cool. Um, and Scott, you, uh, I don't want to like always <laughs> put this in this light, but you kind of famously, as far as our podcast goes, is not, I have not been a fan of the Taurus on movies. Uh, did this one win you over at all or, or, or not? <laughs> uh, grading on the curve of Taurus on movies. I actually like this one a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, there's fewer instances of Torah being kind of a villain to his own family. And I've, I'm trying to sit down and think about it. Uh, he's, I, I've, we've compared him to Homer Simpson before. And I think the reason <laughs> yeah. that Homer works so well for me in the Simpsons is because he's not in a like super serious setting that he is pushing against. Like there are mm-hmm. other elements around him that are not quite as, as goofy as he is, but it's, he he's bouncing off stuff that is also silly. And I feel like there's a lot more of that going on in this movie. Like when Tor is hanging out uh, with the businessmen, it's not like he's, uh, ruining a funeral or something. He's it's a boring meeting and there, and there are other people like laughing and kind of cheering for him being a buffoon in that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get all the stuff with the geishas and the parties and stuff. And he's actually getting along with everybody. And then his whole chemistry with Botan is just delightful. Um, yeah, she's really, um, was kind of a highlight, like, stand out to me this time watching it. Um, I don't know, reflecting back on this movie, I, I, I didn't think about her too much going in, but she really stood out a lot to me. But yeah, I like, I like any time that people keep pace with Torasan rather than just like butting up against him. Mm-hmm. 
um, because then you get to see like the more kind of lovable buffoonery instead of him just getting mad and trying to fight people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, or breaking his sister's heart. Yeah. <laughs> speaking to that, actually, the movie starts off fairly, you know, fairly similarly to most Torasan films where, you know, uh, there's somebody around, you know, Sakura's life who is familiar with Torasan to the point where like, oh, that guy, I can't believe you're affiliated with that guy in the case where, you know, he comes and uh, it's Mitsuo's first day of school and they make fun of him because he's Torasan's nephew. Um, but the thing that like that really surprised me in, in this movie, like starting from there, like when Tora says, um, you know, hey, give me something so I can put money into it. Um, I would have I, I was totally expecting him to like be like, oh, uh, I don't have enough money. Uh, put some put some money in here for me. Mm-hmm. Uh and he actually had money. Tora has mo- money in this movie. Like you actually see him work hard at his uh, at his job, and yeah, <laughs> and you you never see him like actively ask for money in this movie at all. Or That's like, interesting. well, or, in or fact, he explicitly doesn't at yeah. the end. Yeah, he refuses to That's ask true. for cash. That's true. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a permanent change. <laughs> I've definitely seen uh, that that sort of joke of him like uh, handing someone his wallet and then they have to secretly pay because there's no money on in his wallet. Like, yeah, that's kind that of an ongoing. The, uh, and that happens in the second Torreson movie, like for for example, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of a like reoccurring gag slash sad thing that happens in his life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, just to give my general thoughts, I, I like I had sort of said up front, I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Um, I've yet to sit down and rank them all. I, I may do something like that. I've been kind of keeping notes uh, as I've been watching. Uh, but I'd say this is probably in my top five, maybe even top three Torreson films. Um, it like uh, you were saying, Alex. A, a thing that I find interesting about it, it does sort of buck some tropes. Uh, for instance, a thing that I think is interesting is that Tora doesn't act particularly different uh, around Botan or because of Botan. Yeah, like that's kind of a thing that you see a lot. And this is also a, a kind of like gag that's exaggerated in Trekiaro is like you know Tora will pretend to be an intellectual or something like that. Or say that he gets really into a certain like sport or something like that. Um, in this, he's just sort of acting like himself, and so you get this feeling that like Botan, uh, if she is indeed falling for him, is it falling for the real Tora? You know, um, which is nice. Um, and um, but you do still kind of see some of his simple, almost childlike thinking uh, when he tries to resolve her issues by going to Seikon. Um, I think Seikon's a great character. Um, I really like the inclusion uh, that I kind of skipped over of the scene between him and uh, this woman from his hometown. Um, yeah, I um, I loved how that wasn't explicitly stated, like the relationship. It it um, it gives a little a little uh, vagueness as to what happened there between the two of them. Like, were they lovers? Was she the other woman? Um, was yeah, this I the love one how that got away? It is. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah, some sort of romantic element. And in another movie, this could have been like uh, Tora helping Seikon reunite with this woman or something like that. But instead, it just kind of gives some depth to Seikon as well as kind of bringing him a little bit closer to Tora in personality, knowing that he is unlucky in love in some ways, perhaps. 
um, or, or has made mistakes regarding love uh, in some ways. And so I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, uh, let's see. what, what I, And I also wanted to mention how um, Tor is away from home for much of it. Um, so his family's involvement is somewhat less than others, but I think they're all great. Like in particular, I love the aunt and uncle in that first half where they're being really grumpy uh, towards Saikon because he's ordering them <laughs> around like he like they work for him because he thinks that uh, they do. Oh, man. <laughs> I love how nobody can properly confront him either. Not even uh, Taco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think Sakura is really great, um, you know, as much as, yeah, what, like what you were saying, Scott, about like it being hard to see uh, Tora hurt Sakura. Like, I think that some of her strongest stuff is when she's definitely like feeling upset about uh, Tora. And, and we get a little bit of that at the end uh, when she's trying to kind of get through to Tora that that Botan uh, might be in love with him. And, and he just kind of laughs her off and she's kind of left to be sad about her yeah. brother's situation. Um, but yeah, in general, I think this is a touching movie that has some interesting themes that are resonant um, and a good balance of humor and dr- drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, one of the themes I wanted to kind of t- like Taurus on movies, I think are especially strong when they, they're structured around a theme rather than just kind of following Torah as he, you know, bubbles through a, a romance or something like that. And in this case, it's like, very clearly money, right? Like it's about, you know, we see a lot of examples of people with wealth or without wealth and how it affects their lives. Um, and we also touch a little bit on the relationship between art and commerce. Um, what did you guys think about that? I thought it was interesting that, uh, like when he scribbled the onions, he, I think he calls them jewels, right? Like, uh, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and he's like, yeah, take it to this shop and they accept it. Like, at, like, I don't know, they didn't, they'll just buy it from him. I don't know. Like, uh, I guess I'm not used to any, as you know, I, I mean, Joe, you're an artist. I'm not super used to this, uh, happening on the regular, uh, outside of conventions and stuff like that. So yeah, um, it's kind of like a commission. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I thought I, I, there's a scene that I really like actually when, um, when Tarasan comes back to the sweet shop and then he's just like, Oh boy, I sure wish I was in that. I sure, I, I, man, I, I sure wish I was back. Uh, oh gosh, where were they? Uh, Tetsu- I can't remember the name of the city. I even looked it up on Google, like where it was, like how far this was away from Tokyo. And it's like pretty far West. It's like, uh, it's, it's past, uh, Osaka. So, um, yeah, but he's he's just like, ah, oh, you know, you everything is so simple here, you know. <laughs> it's I thought that was I thought that was uh, kind of funny, and uh, you know, like like what you mentioned about Torresan's childlike tendencies. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, somewhat, you know, that, that sort of remind that's what that reminded me of, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, things are a lot simpler there because he was being like waited on by people that thought he was a yeah. VIP. <laughs> now the uh, the thing that I thought was interesting too was the the whole thing with the uh, the geisha with Botan and her um, and the guy who swindled her. At first, I was like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. I hope this isn't like a case where she's like scamming Tora." Uh, and uh, uh, it wasn't, thank God, because you know, I mean, yeah, that's the last thing. That's the last thing we need here, but. Uh, 
the guy that that scammed her was like this guy is a poor guy in his own right too like and nothing there's nothing in his name and i don't know it there was a lot of talk of money and finance in this movie <laughs> and and a lot of mm-hmm. things defying appearances because we we first think that uh Sekhan is is destitute because he doesn't have any yeah. money on him to pay at the the restaurant um which i guess is just a personal eccentricity of his that he doesn't walk around with money um but then then the thing with with botan like you would expect in a movie like this if a geisha is having money troubles it's because she borrowed money and she's in debt to somebody which it is not the case that somebody is actually in debt to her and she can't collect um mm-hmm. so there's a lot of these kind of reversals of of what you would assume the situation to be uh that's that's kind of interesting the way they play with it yeah yeah and i think seikon the thing that's really cool about seikon is his like aloofness like is is kind of perfect to like originally play off to make it seem like he's a selfish uh you know bum that's just kind of like mooching off of taurus family and then you kind of see that, oh, he's just kind of a little out of it, which may also come with his status as an incredibly successful pampered artist, you know, is that he's just kind of used to not having to carry money around and he's used to people doing what he says yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the place. Okay. Um, but we get to that final uh, scene where he is at, where Tora is asking him for for money, and he's like, "I'll just let me know what you need. I'll take care of it." And Tora is is too proud to actually ask for cash. Uh, but that whole conversation is that like he Tora is asking for art and compensation for the hospitality he's shown him, uh, and Sekhan's like, "I I don't do art for money. I that's not why I do art, and I can't just." produce something like that so his, his whole thing is that like the wealth and notoriety is kind of a side product and he enjoys the uh, mm-hmm. some of the the spoils to come with that obviously but like he, that's not what he is out here making art for and yeah. and then at the yeah, end definitely. when uh when botan receives the painting uh we also get her saying like this is a treasure i would never sell it for anything um, which it's it's cute. The uh, botan and Je- is the Japanese word for peony, and the flower that he paints for her is a peony. So it's ah, her name. That's great. Yeah, I knew it meant. Oh, nice. I knew I knew it meant peony, but I uh, didn't realize the flower. That's that's incredibly sweet. Um, yeah, that moment at the end where she's beaming about the painting is is particularly fantastic. Yeah, you you. She's so happy in that moment that there's no question about whether or not she should have yeah. sold yeah. it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, uh, I I do love that. Um, I uh, I didn't even consider uh, like that. Her mentality is you know basically similar to uh, Ikenuchi's. You know, like it's there are things more important than money, and uh, and the way mm-hmm. Ikenuchi lives his life, it's it's literally that. Like it's like oh well, I I'm just an artist, you know. Like I, I love, I like, I do art because there's passion behind it. Not because, you know, you know, the money, the money is just circumstantial. And whenever I make art, there has to be passion behind it. And like, that spoke to me a lot just because that's how I, I sort of see it. Like whenever, I don't know, I don't do too many commissions. Uh, and usually when I do they're for friends or family, uh, 
Mm-hmm. And it's usually something like, oh, well, I want to, you know, I, I, I want to do this because, well, yes, one, one, it interests me, but two, like, you know, you're going to get something out of this that's like personal to you. Um, yeah, totally. And I think what's nice about it is that, you know, you can see that, um, Seikon's kind of chewing on the situation after Tora leaves, after they have that kind of falling out about it. And so knowing that this is his philosophy and knowing that he does eventually send her a painting, you know that it is created from him kind of thinking about the situation and thinking about the emotion behind it and wanting to do right in that way, which I think is cool. Um, and kind of switching gears, a thing that I want to discuss with you guys is the <laughs> oh my God. dream sequence. Okay. I, I, uh, I, oh God, I loved it so much. It was, sorry, I, I didn't mean to take the lead on this. Um, but I love Jaws. No, um, <laughs> and this movie came out like a year after Jaws. Like, or no, not a year, mm-hmm. a couple of years after Jaws. Like this was 78, I think. 76. Okay, yeah, a year after Jaws, which I think um, there's sort of a trend actually with these dream sequences is that sometimes they are uh, very, um, very timely with, you know, with what's popular in current media. Um, and I can imagine mm-hmm. audiences having a lot of fun. But yeah, this is really great. He's dressed. So Torreson's appearance in this is like an amalgam of Brody and Quint with a with a little bit mm-hmm. of uh, with a little bit of Hooper. Um, I definitely thought about how like this is a time before you could like have things on home video to reference. And I just kind of like imagine Yoji Yamada seeing the movie as many times as he could and then being kind of like, what? Yeah does what do things look like in jaws you know like and just trying to recreate it and the story itself is like different than jaws in a way but kind of similar um i i just i i thought of a lot about how a lot of these like when they're like references to old stories or something uh or like rocket ghost stories or something that's been around for a long time they get the details exactly right but in this case, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, shark yeah. attack. Um, when, okay, so so Genko was bitten from the waist down, which is how Quint dies in um in, in Jaws uh-huh. at the end. And uh, God, there's a there's a part in the beginning where they where the camera just focuses on like his half dead corpse, and it should seem morbid, but I thought it was super funny. Like, I don't know, and it's shocking. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah. very incredibly gory. Like if you went in here with your family expecting, uh, expecting to see, Oh yeah. Torah side. We love, we love him. Such a family. Like what a fun family movie. <laughs> this is like incredibly gory. Like it's like, well, it's gory. To the, it's gory in, in how uh house is gory, you know, like uh, there's severed mm-hmm. legs and you see yeah. some red at the end, but it's like, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Man, that shot of like, so Sakura gets eaten by the shark and Torah is just like holding her legs up and it's both funny and weirdly violent. Yeah. Like, like it's, he- it's very funny. I was just cracking up at how elaborate and and intricately produced this was for a dream sequence at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, they've got all their like sets intact, and they're just uh, you know visiting whatever towns they they yeah. can spend their money on giant jaw sharks. And- yeah, the shark puppet was like that was kind of impressive. Um, I think it says tiger tiger on the back of his sh- like the name of the boat is the tiger or something tiger six tiger eight. Remember correctly? I don't oh, okay. know. Nice, but the um, I missed that. Yeah, the, uh, the God, the way he like bumbling, bumblingly throws Sakura's legs after he he realizes that she's eaten is <laughs> is too funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I love the stinger at the end of that scene after he wakes up and he catches this like yeah. teeny tiny fish, and you're like, haha, the fish is so small, but then the <laughs> fish bites him. And oh <laughs> man, uh, so I. I love um, when when it comes to Tarzan movies, I really do love like when they play the opening song, you know, you see his advent his adventure through the town. This mm-hmm. one is particularly hilarious um, where, you know, he starts playing sword fighting with the kids, bops the kid on the head. The kid starts crying and then the kid tells his dad <laughs> who's who's playing golf and then they get into a huge fight. Like it's very this is. Yes, and it's, sword this is like that is Charlie <laughs> Chaplin right there. That is that is silent film mm-hmm. stuff like it's it's so funny and slapsticky and it's just it's classic like this is uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this is this is truly the lovable tramp right here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that that part was really fun, too. Um so, uh, favorite parts of the film. Let's, let's move into that. Um, um, Scott, how about you? Do you have something you'd like to highlight? Um, I think that honestly, my favorite part of the film, uh, is, is kind of a low key scene. It's just when Botan first shows up and is having dinner with the family and is like there, he, she and, and Tora are flirting and she's, talking, making lively conversation with the rest of the family. And they seem a little uncomfortable at first that they have a geisha in their house, but are like warming up to her is because she's got such a bubbly personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really fun. And that's, that's a thing that happens in these. There's also kind of an added layer of like the family kind of maybe being worried that Tora is going to fall in love with her and that she's going to, you know, dump him or whatever. Um, but kind of at that moment, it's just kind of a sweet scene, um, for sure. And Botan, yeah, is lovely <laughs> and fun. Oh you, man, Alex? I, that's, uh, it's hard for me to pinpoint like any, any one part that I really like, just because I thought this was a very, um, like, it's a very sweet movie and not every scene has like Tora in it. Like when Tago, uh, takes Botan to confront the guy, like that's such a, like that that scene is like a a weird like like here's here's life like here's here's you know this isn't mm-hmm. going to get like a happy ending like you have the most qualified person to talk about business dealings um uh not being able to do much um sorry i i i was just thinking about that it's not my favorite part but it's like a it's a scene that i thought was very interesting um it is, and we haven't really talked about that much. So the the taco, the octopus, <laughs> resembling um, manager at the of the of the printing press next door, is kind of like talked into accompanying Botan to confronting this man that she owes money to, and and you can tell that he knows that this is kind of not going to go anywhere, but he he goes with her to try to help, and he has a very like I really love that actor that plays the 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 manager. He's He's very, he's very sweet. He has a sweetness about him, but you, and you know that there's like no way that he's going to stand up against this like perfectly confident swindler guy. Yeah. Um, so favorite part, I think, I think my favorite part, it's, it's, it's probably, uh, it might be, it's either when Tora is hanging out with the tourism people um like that that like i mentioned that earlier and it just feels like it's part of a a different movie and i love it like it's just you're a fly on the wall and Mm -hmm. watching this happen and i love that 
But I mm-hmm. also love Seikon as a character so much that like when he f- visits his old acquaintance, like I thought I thought that was a really sweet scene and they, you know, they she shares a bit of wisdom and it's it's nice. Like they have a really nice moment. Um it's shot really well. And and the way and the way they're shot too, I noted this is that like he's you know, either due to bad posture or wherever. Uh, and, you know, he's old and run down, but, uh, so she sits straight up and he sort of, uh, he slouches over a little bit, which, you know, that shows a little bit of a a power dynamic when it comes to filming something, right? Like, uh, it it shows Mm -hmm. where they are to each other and he definitely feels dejected and like, this is all his fault. Uh, you know, yeah, this, this is what should have been, but, Mm -hmm. but she is, she is very content with how things are and, you know, that you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't really have regrets in that in that vein. Yeah, she says a really great thing. I didn't write it down, but it's like something along the lines of like, you'll repent for the things you did and regret the things you didn't do. So, you know, it's not worth bothering to worry about it, because even if you do something, you won't do yeah. something else, you know. And there's yeah, a- if you had lived a different life and made different choices, you would still have yeah. regrets. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a nice like there's nice little bits of kind of philosophical talk sprinkled throughout the movie, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and nice. Uh, and Torasan just happens to be the clown that's uh, that's stumbling through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I also have a hard time picking a favorite scene. I, I like um, a lot of the, the scenes in the movie. I, I might prefer kind of the first half. It's interesting. I might prefer the first half with Tora and Seikon causing trouble at home and then kind of visiting his hometown to the like the plot of Botan uh, and her problems with money. But the the scene that hits me the hardest is that very end final scene uh, where she gets the painting. Uh, I get a mm-hmm. huge emotional rush from that. And, um, you know, we've seen how hard it's been on her losing all this money. Uh, but she still values what she sees as this like act of kindness from Seikon above all of that. And it, uh, yeah, it really tears at me and, and, uh, made me tear up a bit, which is nice. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I love that, but that little final scene, as much as it feels kind of, uh, like a cop out to be like the final most, you know, (laughs) crescendo emotional moment is my favorite part, but I, you know, that's, that's definitely my favorite part. of She's so expressive. Um, whenever like no matter what she does in this movie it's a pity it's a pity that she didn't do too much acting and uh, after this because she's like her she's very expressive in 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 how she conveys joy and sadness but when she conveys joy it's like almost watching like watching bjork like like yeah. uh i don't know it's very uh very bright and infectious and she even the way she moves yes her yes. whole face just lights up. Even the up. way she moves, she's very energetic, and it's it's like, it's it's a uh, it's like no wonder Tora, you know, fell for her. But then at the end, there's no like, I I do wonder if at one point maybe this was meant to be the last Tora San movie because there isn't a defining end to the two of them. Like usually Tora walks off into the sunset for you know due to some reason, but not not mm-hmm. here. They they spend the rest of the movie like the end of the movie together mm-hmm. yeah that made me sad knowing that there are like dozens of movies after this because this seems like a a fitting end that he has met somebody who like loves him for who he actually is and they have such great chemistry together 
and they've been like jokingly talking about getting married the whole movie that this mm-hmm. would be a fitting end just to, to have them marry each other and be together. Yeah, you'll find along the way there's lots of people that it seems like they could end up together, but it just doesn't. And a lot of times it's Torah kind of getting in his own way. He doesn't really at this. That's the thing that I think is interesting is that Botan's story is like somewhat uh, small in this movie. And we don't get that kind of big moment where um, where it becomes impossible for them to be together. But you kind of get the feeling like Torah is ashamed for letting her down when he thought he was had the solution to get money for her. And, uh, and I guess at that point it just sort of like gave up, um, on, on the romance. So, and mm-hmm. that's the, uh, that's the tragedy that, <laughs> that, that, uh, kind of hangs over so, the whole um, series. I want to, I want to bring this up because this is interesting. Okay. So, uh, so she traveled, um, in order to see Tora again, uh, about roughly, uh, roughly 660, 650 kilometers. Um, so Tatsuno is mm-hmm. in, uh, what prefecture is this? Uh, the Hyogo prefecture, um, which is, uh, pretty close to Okayama and, uh, you know, Tora is in, uh, Shibamata in Tokyo. Uh, this is a, um, I'm, I Google mapped it. It's an eight hour bus ride. Uh, or an eight hour, eight hour car mm. trip or nine hours, depending on, you know, where you go. So like, she's, she's, uh, she's going out on a limb here. Like it's, it, that's not a short distance to travel. And even back and back then, you know, I mean, back then it could have taken even longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, food for thought. Yeah. I mean, she did have the lead on the, on the guy that ran off with her money, but you have to wonder how much of that was, was just, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone versus like, did she actually expect to get that money back? Even if she she confronted him. Yeah, totally. I think having somebody in Tokyo that she could find that she knew as somebody who would extend kindness to her, like gave her the, the probably the strength to come and, try to confront this guy in Tokyo. But, um, that was the sort of like smokescreen or whatever, the sort of like thing that she could say she was doing was, was trying to track down this guy. And it's on the other hand, that's also what Tora can tell himself is like, well, she's just here for this purpose and that purpose failed. Yeah. Too bad. Another thing yeah. I wrote down was, yeah. um, I was tickled of course, to see his name in the credits, uh, in the opening credits. Chishi Ryu is back as the head priest. Um, but he's in it for like such Mm -hmm. a minuscule amount of time and, uh, and his role in it, I think is absolutely hysterical because all he's doing is reacting to Tora interacting with a geisha. Uh, he just says, just awful. And And I, and it looks like he's sort of phoning it in or, or something. And it's really great because I do wonder if they just decided or if, uh, Yamato's just like, Hey, look, um, we want you to be in the next couple of Torasan movies. So, um, just here are, here are a bunch of scenes that you'll be in and we'll just film them all now. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> he gets that fun scene where he's, uh, yeah. got the hose. Yeah, yeah. That he did look like he was having fun in that when he sprays, uh, both Torah and Ginkgo. Um, but yeah, that, that, that brings me to another thing. I had a bunch of laugh out loud moments in this of just like really funny comedy beats of, of this priest being like, haha, I'm going to get you with this water hose. <laughs> um, 
when you expect him to be so so proper uh but that when they're uh when they're going on the trip through the city because uh Sekon doesn't want to go they're just taking torah and he keeps falling asleep because he's hung over and then by the end of the trip they're they're even the uh the uh city representatives are so hung over that they don't resist it anymore and everybody's just yeah. sleeping in the car <laughs> um but yeah a lot of just like little small gags yeah. that made me laugh um i wrote i wrote this down uh this is a weird thing to write down but i love um mitsuo's spaceman costume uh that he wears like halfway through the film oh, yeah. just, he just kind of comes in the room and he's got it's like a message from space thing he's got like a cape and a weird funny helmet with like antenna on it like it i love how how like how japanese sci-fi it is yeah it made me think of uh, prince of space yeah. if you've seen mm-hmm. that that's a mystery science theater episode it's fairly well known um yeah, in fact, I tried to, um, Scott and I had a little exchange on Twitter that I'm trying to look up now. Do you remember? Um, it's, I, okay. It's here Akamizer it 3, yeah, which okay. is like a Three Musketeers oh. from space kind of thing. Yeah, so um, when um, Seikon grabs, um, uh, needs a piece of paper to doodle on, they give him like a sketch pad that is probably Mitsuo's. Oh, it's definitely Mitsuo's because it has like a ch- children's scribbling uh, in yeah. on the first page and I I screen capped it and, and put it on Twitter like hey what what is this because you very briefly see the front of it and it's yeah from this Akumizer um Akumizer 3 uh Tokusatsu show and uh yeah that I, I always love like catag- um finding that thing. Yeah Scott's the one who was able to ID oh, it that's which great. is great. Yeah um, um uh, and then yeah on the inside if you find my tw- Twitter, you'll see the little thread on the inside. What looks like a sketch, like a kind of badly drawn sketch that's obviously by a kid, um, of I think that same cover image of Akamizer, um, or the main wow. character from that. That's a good eye. I love I love watching these old older <laughs> movies and then finding like little bits of pop culture from that era in there. Um, yeah, and Torosan movies, a lot of times you can see that in the festivals because there will be the masks, the little plastic masks you'll see, like, if, you know, Anpanman or whoever. Um, I've definitely seen, like, Arale dolls and, and things like that. Um, it's pretty fun. It's fun to kind of travel through pop culture with That's these movies. Um, I, I, uh, I, thought, I thought about something while I was watching this movie. The, the stuff with Mitsuo doesn't really come back in the end, except for the fact that the entire, like a good chunk of this movie's theme is, uh, you know, don't, don't judge a book by its cover type thing. Like, and that's sort mm-hmm. of the lesson that like is imparted, uh, at the beginning about like, you know, you know, Tora being a vagrant or whatever. And, you know, now Mitsuo is his nephew. So let's make fun of Mitsuo. But then, you know, Tora goes out and, uh, scolds the waitress for not, um, for not treating Seikon well, because, oh, well, you know, Mm -hmm. when's the last time you saw your father? You know, what if this was him? Like, I don't know. I I feel like there was, there, that was like, there's a, a theme through a good chunk of this movie. Yeah. In regards to all of that. Cause, uh, I thought about the stuff with Mitsu in the beginning uh, and his first day of school and how it doesn't really come back, but it sort of does thematically. So mm-hmm. it does come back a little, but then it gets dropped after that, which is weird to me because when uh, Sakura is talking to the priest, 
uh, kids are playing in the background, and I can't <laughs> yeah. tell who is who, but one of the kids gets knocked to the ground, which I assume is Mitsuo getting kind of bullied by the other kids, and that's when uh, Sakura excuses yeah. herself from the conversation with Priest. <laughs> uh, but that's never really followed up oh, on. Oh, man. Yeah. I like, I like seeing these little... The thing that I like about that um, is just kind of seeing these little bits and pieces of their lives as Tora kind of comes and goes. Like, yeah. they're living their lives, and Mitsuo starting school, and whatever and then Tora just kind of shows up like a little tornado you know and kind of causes trouble but like yeah it's like a tornado <laughs> but like that's the thing also that I like about watching all these movies uh over this like long period of time is 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 kind of being able to track his family's uh, progress and history especially Mitsuo because everybody's somewhat stationary but Mitsuo is the one who's kind of moving through the school system and eventually uh becoming an adult and stuff yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do love that. Um, it's like slice of lifey, um, with like mm-hmm. a plot that's in the, in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so shall we dance? Um, <clears throat> an American remake, you know, I was thinking about this and I, I think that the basic elements of this could translate to an American film just fine, you know, uh, taking in a poor looking artist who ends up being rich or visiting his hometown and a woman that's swindled for money. Um, I think a lot is said about how kind of like Japanese Torasan films are and whether or not they're relatable to Western audiences. And I think they are for sure like rooted in Japanese experience and stuff. But I think this movie is a good example of how a lot of the elements are universal and understandable and, you know, resonant regardless of where you live. But, uh, yeah. What do you, did you guys think about shall we dance at all? Mm. I didn't have anybody cast on the top of my head, but I think you're right in this case. There's like, even though Botan is a geisha, there's so little to this that is really endemic to Japanese culture that it couldn't be portable. Yeah. Um, because like you, she could be a bartender at some kind of office party he ended up at or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and all of these themes are absolutely universal. There's nothing like specifically culturally linked to Japan in this movie, I don't think. Yeah, there's not even the sort of like sometimes in the Torasan movies I, I, and other movies I see from Japan, you have to kind of make these leaps that people are being like kind of following the politeness codes like farther than I am used to as an American, you know. But even in this, besides the kind of stuff at the beginning where they're kind of like, even though Tora's a troublemaker, they're they're giving Tora's friend, quote unquote friend, the benefit of the doubt and, and keeping him there, even though he's this kind of rude old man. And they all kind of suspect that he's just some bum that Tora pulled off the street. But, um, you know, that's <laughs> still understandable. Yeah, that part actually struck me that I don't know how true this is for the series as a whole, but uh, it almost feels like this movie had this, the cadence of like a series of uh, slightly dramatic sitcom episodes mm. um, where you have this kind of like character introduced and you have a light misunderstanding with the family and stuff. These are all like pretty, pretty standard sitcom tropes. And just like if you string all of these movies together kind of back to back as I guess seasons of, uh, of a show, uh, would it, would the whole series have that kind of cadence? I think so. <laughs> I think, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. Um, 
And so Takashi Shimura Award for Outstanding Scene-Stealing Performances. Uh, do you guys have anyone you'd like to nominate mm. the Shimura Award? Uh, definitely for me, Kawako Taichi is Botan. Mm-hmm. Like, she just stood out. And and not in a way where it felt like she was acting circles around everybody else. It's just that Botan's personality in those scenes is, is makes her the center of attention. Uh, and in a nice, in a good way. Um, but her ability to just kind of like transform the room once she walked in. Uh, both when she's happy and in the scenes uh, when she's sad, just the the way it affects everybody around her just it speaks to the power of her performances and that character's personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, she's who I chose to the, you know, Jukichi Uno as Seikon is, is really great uh, for sure. And as far as like minor characters go, I think we all love to sort of like his <laughs> Seikon's poor, like handlers that Tora ends up befriending. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially the guy who has the like kind of funny over dramatic singing voice. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, these, they're all really fun, but I think Botan's kind of extreme joy and, and sadness, uh, as, a, as the, the scenes, uh, see fit, uh, really kind of se- seals it for yeah. me. I'm, uh, I'm inclined to agree as well. Even when like she's having dinner with everybody and she's telling everybody her story, she has these really, really subtle like she, her acting is, 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 uh, is very subtle in how she eats and stuff like that too. Um, mm. it's, yeah, it, she is, she is a bright light in the room. Um, the other person, of course, that I, I could think of would be, uh, I, I think, uh, the woman, uh, her character was Shino, right? The, uh, was that the, uh, mm. the, uh, the, the woman that, uh, that he goes to yeah. visit. Oh, yeah, yeah, like that. That scene made an impression on me, but, but, gosh, yeah, uh, the character of Botan, like you guys, you guys said it best. I, I think it's a, I think this is a sweep. It's a landslide. It's a <laughs> landslide victory uh, uh, for uh, Kiwaka Taichi. So, yeah, definitely. You know, I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I it. I don't think in the past I've immediately thought of her as one of my favorite, like Torresan Madonna's. Um, but I don't know. I think in watching this closer, uh, she's really like won me over. She's really great. Um, yeah. So any, uh, final thoughts on this before we move to our outro? Uh, I'm excited to finally watch a Torresan movie that uh, did not make me hate <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm yeah. glad to hear it um, yeah this one's great uh, I really loved it um, I uh, you know I'm still working my way through the first 10 right now uh, so it'll be a bit mm-hmm. before I catch back up to this one but let me tell you I uh, man I really enjoyed it and it just further solidifies how much I enjoy watching Japanese families together in movies mm-hmm. Uh Especially like Tora-san's family, seeing them kind of united uh, with Tora, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know squabbling about this and that, which you know happens in this, of course. But yeah, but even like you know little minor slices of life stuff where where uh, his uncle is like swatting at the you know at the mosquitoes and stuff like that. Like it make it every time I watch one of these, it feels lived in. And yeah, totally. That's a thing yeah, that I and love that's about um, it. that's a credit, a, a really big credit to Yoji Yamada. Um, 
what a wonderful family has like a very similar thing going on where it's you know you feel familiar with these people just because of of how they act and uh the really subtle mm-hmm. things they do to to really bring color into what you're watching so uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah well i you know that's great i yeah i i um I'm glad to hear that Scott liked this one. Um, <laughs> I'm also glad to hear that uh, it that it had a good uh, impression with Alex as well. I, I in um, thinking about it, I was kind of like, well, um, you know, th- this being one of my favorites, and this being one where uh, it can kind of go back and forth with like how Torah behaves around his family and stuff like that. I kind of figured that this would be one that if you didn't like this one, Scott, there'd kind of be no hope. Like, um, and I can't guarantee that we're going to bounce around in time timelines and stuff. And and the eighties is really when he starts to kind of really, really soften and become kind of go out of his way and be very selfless, uh, even to people that he's not in love with. (laughs) And like, um, and I, a lot of times those movies are, not my favorites, but some of them are really great. Uh, so, you know, we're going to kind of go back and forth and some of them you may still not completely connect with, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that, um, you at least could enjoy a little bit. Um, I'm interested to find out. Yeah. Um, so what are we talking about next episode? Uh, next episode, we will be covering the live action portrayal of Yatterman. Um, if you're not familiar with the Otter Man, it is um, it's a talk, it's a, a Tatsunoko Productions uh, anime from the, the 70s, part of the Time Bokan series. And um, my my only real exposure to Yatter Man is is through Tat- the Tatsunoko versus Capcom video game, uh, and then me looking into it a little bit after that, and kind of falling in love with the stupid characters at, at the very at the very least the Doronjo <laughs> gang uh, the um, the villains uh and if you if you look them up uh specifically boyaki and tanzura um they bear resemblance to a lot of characters that you've seen in pop culture like perhaps wario and waluigi um or uh, or foxy from one mm. piece and uh hamburg and uh, porche so uh, kind of interesting yeah stuff there Wario and Waluigi were kind of my original touchstone, but design-wise, they seem to have a lot more influence if you uh, are a fan of the art style in um, the WarioWare yes. games. Uh, they look like they would fit in yeah. perfectly there. Uh, but the film itself was... Um, uh, the film itself is directed by Takashi Miike. Um, I would have liked to have done my favorite Takashi Miike film, Gozu, but we were we will get to that at some point. It's really weird and really fucked up, but uh, <laughs> this one is going to be lighthearted. I am. I can only assume. Um, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, boy, this has been this has been me droning on. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know that you hadn't seen it before. I thought no, you had seen no, this. No, no, um, Yeah, so yeah this was this was basically cool. an excuse for me to watch it like finally yeah awesome yeah i'm cu- i'm very curious you know i my uh mike doesn't have a huge great track record with me this is this yes. is my <laughs> Thorson to scott um but i did like uh blade of the immortal which is you know to uh, is much later in his career but is a manga adaptation so i don't know i'm curious to see uh how yeah. i feel about this I, I, did, we, did you watch happiness of the katakuris 
Yeah. Oh, I love that one. Okay. Yes. So that's what he's hit and miss with me, but sometimes yeah. he hits real good. That's probably my favorite uh, of his films. Either way, that, we're, we're doing another Mike film. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> um, so, um, Alex, uh, sure. while you're journeying. Uh, let's hear some all plugs. right uh, well you can always find me on Twitter I'm there all the time at dude exclamation all one word weeb Simpsons is my other account uh, follow me on there for Simpsons shit posts and uh, general you no know, it's mostly just shit posts and um, listen to me weekly on the one piece podcast I haven't been on as much lately just because life has gotten in the way as it usually does um, but if, if you enjoyed one piece listen to that um, and uh, superartfight.com slash merch uh, is a redirect to a different site that um, uh, will redirect you to a different site where you can buy Keenemals on Fire, the uh, card game that I helped make with Super Art Fight. And um, you can also buy a Two Drink Alex t-shirt there for $25 and some proceeds go to me. So <laughs> uh, there you nice. go. That's that's there's my plugs. How about you, Scott? Uh, you can find me at Friska Chat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T on Twitter. Um, I don't got much going on right now. If you have a tabletop story game or micro RPG suggestions, shoot them my way because I'm looking for more games to run as one shots for various friends. Cool. Joey? And I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter, Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Um, hey, I've got a Patreon if you want to support me. <laughs> I've got a really low-key uh, Patreon just for $2 a month. You can see some behind-the-scenes stuff of what I've been working on and stuff. Um, I'm a cartoonist, the author of the Merman graphic novel series, as well as Ghost Hog, which just came out this year. So uh, look out for that in comic book stores or online. Um, this October 12th through 13th, I'll be at the Upstate Pop Expo in Greenville, South Carolina. So you're in the area come by and say hi and see what i got and uh, at the end of the month uh i'll be at anime week in atlanta so not uh, in any official capacity but if you're around there uh you'll probably be able to see me and scott if you you know tweet at us on twitter or something like that we can get together uh as for toho yaro um we have a twitter as well at toho yaro or um the toho yaro facebook page that you can like for updates about when the new episodes drop uh, tohoyaro at gmail.com is our email address uh, where you can give us suggestions for movies to watch or questions, uh, things like that. And uh, please rate and review and subscribe on your podcast uh, app of choice. And uh, check us out uh, next episode for Yachterman. <laughs> <laughs>